So Kitty, thank you very, very much for joining us today on the, on the podcast. We've had a, a brief conversation before this, and I think one of the things that really stood out from your explanation of the SET's role is a fascinating point that your ambition is for the SET, the Stock Exchange of Thailand, no longer to be just an exchange. And in the context of DLT, I thought it's a brilliant starting point. So can you maybe just elaborate on what your, what your vision is for the SET then? In the past, um, I think uh, we started another journey. This is a new S-curve for us about four or five years ago where uh, we would like to build a market infrastructure for everyone in the capital market to collaborate and to deliver the best possible services to the end investor in the capital market where we have everyone to collaborate. And if we were to compare what's happening here is similar to uh, the undertaking of European countries in the past, maybe 10 years, where they have target to project to connect everyone. But over here, we are building sort of that kind of target to tar- target project, but um, it's only uh, for, for within Thailand. The infrastructure is operated um, by us and we do that in Thailand. Yep. So um, as I said, we are no longer a traditional exchange, but we see ourselves as a market infrastructure that provide efficient, um, cost-effective, and, um, and, and address all the pain points uh, while um, the, all the processes will go digitized. Mm. Yeah, and I think what, what for me, what really stands out is this digitization of everything. So as you said, you're a center point in the industry and in the capital markets, and, and essentially you have, um, you're constantly pushing out the boundaries in terms of what's possible right. for the market infrastructure to do. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and DLT has been a huge part of that, if I understand right, mm-hmm. in terms of helping using the technology in many instances to be able to redefine those boundaries. Is it maybe worth just walking through the various DLT projects that you've you've run in that journey so far? We are both DLT based and and traditional uh, distributed database. We come to a point where we see the digital token in contrast to the traditional world where CSD is the one who program it. But in the DLT world, in digital tokens, the issuer themselves together with the primary market provider would be the one who program the rights and benefits. There is no limit of what you could do, what you could give, what you what kind of obligations that you have between the uh, buyer and seller of the digital tokens. So, um, so instead of having the security basis tree to write a program, now all the issuers are the one who write a program. So um, the rights and benefits can be um, uh, can be imagined or can be designed or can be innovate as the way they want to. Um, they they may not give the voting rights. They may give um, utility tokens. Um, in exchange for the best benefit that they hold, the investment token. And, and this is the beauty, where the beauty comes. Um, when the um, utility tokens uh, are combined together with the uh, investment token, I would say that that's a hybrid hybrid token. Um, this, are, this is something that we cannot do in the traditional market, but this is what we can do in the new, uh, in the digital asset market. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and is that, I mean, obviously you've had various experimentations with DLT so far. I mean, is that is that beginning to manifest itself, that kind of redefinition of roles between, as you said, all the way from the, the issuer of the security all the way through to the investor? The primary market and secondary market part remains very quite the same. Uh, many people said that there would not be any underwriter or any um, uh, the ones who perform the tasks in the primary market. We still see them here as a financial advisor because the issuer may not be able to uh, do do all those things with them by themselves, and the investor or the customer still need information from a third party like financial advisor, whether this token is is good or it's somewhat good or it should not go to the public. What would be changed in my view is all the post-trade part where today we have depository, we have transfer agent. These, I think, will be gone because all everything, uh, the, the, the tokens that you hold, something like that will be put on a chain and all of them are actually automated. And uh, the role, as I said, as I mentioned, the role of transfer agent and security depository in terms of rights and benefit distribution, those are gone by them, but it will be uh, done at the very beginning when they mint the token. Uh, so in that, in, in there, all the post-trade uh, functions, post-issuance service um, functions are already there. So the those in the back office part, whether the uh, secure depository, transfer agent, or custodian bank would have to find their new roles and adapt it according to what is needed and what is really needed in the future. It seems that you're very much focused on the kind of, on the imagination part and that the the kind of the 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 kind of plain efficiencies piece is kind of secondary, if I understand right, in terms of you right. know just kind of right. you know so so therefore the near future is really is more experimentation, more education, right. more right. basically more more pushing out the boundaries. If I hear you right, right. right. Mm. So as I mentioned in the past, up to today, we are only in the investment world, but mm. what uh, digital tokens, digital asset would help us to expand opportunities, not just for us, it's also mm. for our stakeholders to offer new products and services. I am trying to make this market as easy as possible. So it's gonna be very similar to going to buy stuff in amazon.com. And mm. the customer do not need to know that this uh, the technology behind is DLT because mm. it doesn't mean anything to them. What yep. they want is to, to, to make profit or the products that they want. They don't, they, they don't care whether it's DLT or not DLT. And mm. the, more, the more complex word that you put into the ecosystem, the more confused uh, the people would be when we communicate to the public. We will not say anything about blockchain or DLT, but right. we just, just say that this is the whole new range of uh, possibilities that you as an investor or customer would get from the issuer or from the producer of that uh, digital tokens. Mm, 
Mm-hmm. So the future is basically is uh, fund fund a movie, get the token for the movie tickets, and then get a share of right. the profits all uh, right. without knowing what technology is supporting that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite the same as um, iPhone. You just need to touch to do certain things, and behind that, you in I, iOS. We don't really know what it what yeah. it is. Yeah, absolutely. In the context, you've obviously you've run, I think, three projects now on DLT. If I if I understand right, so you've had Inthanon, mm-hmm. um, the Cubix mm-hmm. project, and then the mutual mm-hmm. funds dealing. Those have all been uses of blockchain, if I understand correctly. How much have you seen the the roles and the, and the shift in in responsibilities that you're talking about? Is that is that a learning experience that's come out of those experimentations? Okay, let, let me take uh, the Internon as the first one. Internon is uh, an initiative uh, led by the Central Bank of Thailand. They want to experiment uh, DLT. I think they try on CDB, uh, the Central Bank digital currency uh, at the wholesale level uh, before, but but they, it's just a prototype. Now, they, they would like to start uh, the project for stable coin to the retail investor, they may start on the pilot project within uh, the central bank where their staff use uh, the uh, the stable coin um, within the Bank of Thailand. Um, and we they are asking us what uh, what we would like to have from them. So we we said that we would like to settle um, the real time. So. And it's completely 100% DVP. So we want their tokens to be in our ecosystem. Uh, that's the first one. Uh, the second one, Cubix, K-U-B-I-X. This is the uh, subsidiary of uh, uh, a bank, uh, one of the largest banks in Thailand. Uh, they operate as primary market provider or in Thailand term, it's going to be called ICO portal. This one is already active. Uh, they are in the process of acquiring investor. And, um, and the first project is about to go live. That's the movie financing. Um, um, and it's worth about, I think, 10, uh, 10 million US dollar. And, um, and they use all kinds of features that I have described. And they also distribute the utility tokens, for example, uh, the tickets to watch the movie, uh, revenue um, uh, that would be distributed from uh, the one who who buy the license of the movie, um, the meet and greet, um, the superstars, uh, that, that kind of thing. So this is one of the most advanced case that we have today. For within the city ourselves, uh, we establish the uh, a small small board for SME to do financing. We experiment that one with the uh, with DLT. We just try to learn our team, some of our team members to learn how DLT operates. And then we take it forward earlier, maybe last year, we decided we will build the DLT-based platform to process those digital tokens. And I think we are maybe 80 or 90% completed. We are talking about, for example, distressed assets. The issuer will find the distressed asset. Maybe they buy it very cheap and then we tokenize it. 
they will give a superior return. We are talking about maybe 20 or through 30%. Um, if we only give them like 5%, there's nothing there because it's very similar to what they would gain from equity markets. The other one would be project financing. Some of them might be greenfield projects, which may be a risky to the investor. And the other one is brownfield projects. Um, I think we are more comfortable with the brownfield projects, but we, we do not limit ourselves to the, uh, the um, brownfield project. Uh, if we see um, any of the greenfield projects that are promising, I think we are really willing to work on that. For lastly, I think it's going to be like uh, we implement the same instrument, exactly the same instrument as in the traditional market. For example, uh, digital bond. So we will uh, just to make uh, the process more efficient. I think those are the things that we we have been working on. Yeah, and thank you for running through that because I mean you've got you've clearly got a a lot of experience behind you, particularly with um, with Internon, as you said, from the central bank, but also more importantly with Cubix, and then obviously a long run in front of you. I think one of the things that comes through very clearly from how you explain it is your focus on 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 this whole redefinition of roles and and effectively really empowering the issuer of the security to do things differently. So, you know, the movie financing one I I find to be amazing because ultimately you're if I understand right, I'm no expert on movie financing, but you're totally restructuring the way that that financing can work. That's in right. Terms of, That's right. Know, the, and that's and right. that just wouldn't be possible without a blockchain environment. And as you right. said, where you have digital tokens and then utility tokens alongside it. So that for me is, you, we often talk, as you were just saying, you know, we often talk about digital uh, bonds, you know, taking the old, you know, making it more efficient on the new kind of thing. But many of the areas that you're talking about go past that. They talk, you know, you're doing things that are just inconceivable on mm-hmm. um, on the on the old world, which is I think fantastic, and and just mm-hmm. goes to underline the possibilities that we haven't discovered yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so yeah, that's that's where we address the pain point for Cubics, where mm-hmm. they wanted to give other kinds of benefits in a very systematic way and in the same platform. They could actually just raise the fund and then ask for the list of uh, investors, and then they can send paper tickets to the, uh, to the home of the customer. But, but that's not very efficient. We want um, everything to be, I would say, the term would be an ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, the SCT uh, remains neutral, and we are in a position to talk to and to consult with um, listed companies, the issuer, um, the, the the bank, the central bank authority, and many other people. And I think this is where SET is in a very unique position where we can be very neutral and then we can we can push the, the agenda forward uh, with less friction. I'm not saying mm. friction-free, but yeah. there's still some friction, but at least we are seen as a neutral body to, yeah. uh, to spearhead this uh, thing. And we have also learned from other projects that they were successful only in the primary market, but not in the secondary market. So we we need to find a very sexy product like like Cubic's uh, offer uh, to the investor, and we will see how it goes. Mm. 
That's an interesting point because, you know, to your point about, you know, uh, challenges, you know, I'm sure it hasn't been a straight a straight path of, of development. You know, I'm sure there have been many challenges. Can you maybe just expand on that, you know, the primary versus secondary market challenge that you just mentioned? Why, why do you think it has been so challenging to, to get products going in the secondary market? Firstly, in terms of primary market, uh, what they are issuing is more traditional. And uh, I think uh, the regulator are still looking at these products as very new. Most of the people uh, misconceive that uh, all the digital tokens and all the digital assets are very risky. Um, so um, they would they, they now impose uh, restrictions. For example, if you are a retail investor, you can only subscribe uh, the tokens up, up to only 10,000 US dollars a time. Mm. But, but we would like to point, and, and also the tax authority uh, thought that um, they, they, they treat all the tokens as one, one type, which is uh, like utility token, and they will tax 7% uh, on the uh, on, on the amount of the issuance of that that we issue, which is actually not the case. They should look at the substance of uh, what we are trying to achieve. If it's mm-hmm. like movie financing, um, it's investment, so they should raise the fund without any tax. But if they if they distribute the uh, utility token, then that's fine for like investment token. There should not be uh, that kind of tax. So the tax is a hurdle. The tax authority would have to rethink about uh, what is it, um, the digital token, because at that time, when they were issuing the rules and regulations, where at that time, the, the digital tokens, utility tokens were in a hype phase. Um, they have not, uh, they, they didn't consider uh, the tokens which are very equity-like or bond-like. Um, um, they should look at this as... Um, traditional products in when it comes to tax treatment and uh, and the public at large doesn't understand um, the digital tokens and cryptocurrency and whatever uh, mm. the the public general public I think all of them maybe let maybe 99% just know cryptocurrency and they thought that it is a very similar animal to digital tokens. So what they want is actually only up and down. So it's like a game of gamble, whether it's up and down. But we want to educate the market. We want to educate the stakeholder that uh, a digital asset has a wide range of risk, a, r- a wide range of uh, underlying assets or services, or it can be no underlying asset. And they should treat it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. it, the rules and regulations cannot be one size fit all as mm. in the traditional market because of the level of imagination, the level of sophistication, the level of efficiency that we would have in the DLT world is so much more than what we have in the traditional markets. Absolutely. There's this clear image of you've kind of, you've run ahead and you've begun with Cubics, especially to begin transforming, but ultimately not everyone can run at the same pace, right. I guess. And, 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 you have. and most of the time, I think the law would be written after something goes yeah. wrong. So mm-hmm. the law is always 
behind or after mm. what's going on in the business space. Mm. But we want to really advocate and try to explain to them maybe hundred times or thousand times that, hey, no, mm. cryptocurrency is a very, very uh, tiny bit of what we could yeah. build with the mm. new uh, system. Mm. Um, mm. So if you are actually a computer scientist, you know that uh, blockchain and distributed ledger technology uh, comes from a traditional and long time and established discipline within computer science. And so one question though, I mean, in terms of all the experience that you've built up so far, I mean, what are the, you know, what are you changing as you go along? What are the learning points that you picked up from a deployment perspective? Because I'm sure Cubix has taught you a, a great deal, not only on education, but also presumably on the actual, on the, the implementation part. Are there any things that, that have really stood out for you in terms of lessons learned on that side? The authority and everyone as I mentioned, should look at the substance rather mm. than the form because it, right. the form is only the technical representation. Mm. Uh, digital assets are not always bad guys. There are pros, there are cons. I would like to start small, uh, start small and take a few steps trying to build something that is new and that comes from the imagination of the people, like yeah, like movie financing. No one would ever thought about movie financing connected to the investment world. They should differentiate like form and substance. Mm-hmm. For us as an infrastructure provider, we also want to encapsulate the complexity of uh, DLT. And yeah. we just give the users or the programmers the API, just like the, the APIs that we have today. Because we don't know whether the underlying DLT technology that we chose would remain uh, in the mainstream in the future. So with that layer of API, we can hide the complexity. We can take out the technology DLT that we have today if it doesn't work, then we put in a new DLT. And so presumably you're taking that same approach then into the world of distressed debt, into the world of project That's finance right. and the others. That's mm. right. Mm. That's right. Mm. We, are, we are carefully selecting uh, not only the products, but also mm. we also need to look at the customer, whether mm. uh, the, this product should be only available to institutional investor, high net worth people, or to the mass public. We cannot just look at the products and we cannot just look at the investor. They have to be considered at the same time, simultaneously. And that's actually the challenge. It's a chicken and egg problem. Who is coming first? Who is coming next? I don't want to be the first one. I don't want to fail or those kind of things. But but in our case, actually, we we admit that we fail at certain time uh, when we when we build the DLT infrastructure, that's because there's no, no, no one who has already built this. Um, we are building this at the same time as SDX is building. We want to be B2B to C. So we still have the intermediaries, but, but we think that we have to, to change that a little bit because a no broker would want to invest in uncertain things. So we, we decided that in early days of the operation, we probably need to take the customer directly. So it's B2C. Mm. 
while for, for SDX, they are clear that they are B2B2C. For us, as a market infrastructure provider, we have never ever touched or KYC with the end investor. So we need to build our capabilities to be able to, to, to do KYC, to do proper KYC so that our ecosystem is clean, secure, and, and does not harm anyone. It's to make it faster and make it wider. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fast, yeah. Fast, accelerate the growth. Uh, and then, uh, uh, and then increase the horizon of the range of products that we have. So you can see that it's the X and Y. Uh, yeah, chart. exactly. Yeah. You're pushing mm-hmm. in both directions. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, well, look, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And I think particularly, you know, I think the, the challenges that it's throwing up in terms of just reshaping the business model of issuers, as you said, uh, investors, how they subscribe to these products. But, you know, most importantly, as you said, the financial ecosystem is really clear because, as you said, nothing, nothing summarizes it better than suddenly the Stock Exchange of Thailand having to work as a B2C provider. I mean, that's, right. a, that's a fundamental shift that's come about right. from everything that we've discussed. Right. So. It, as you say, it's you can the, this redefinition of roles comes through really clearly. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating. I think as you move into the more institutional products like distressed debt, project mm-hmm. finance, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth, to see but, whether these same lessons uh, play out, the education uh-huh. role, no doubt, and to see what other roles and and challenges present themselves. Right. The key question that we got from the broker is that what roles that they can be in the future. Right. So we just. We, we, we told them that you can you can do whatever you want as in the today's market where you will be right. a financial advisor and underwriter because that's the needed part. Yep. And then whether you want to be um, the broker uh, taking the princip- principal risk or not, it really depends on them. But mm. we open up the opportunity that we will take customer directly and they would be uh, we would outsource the function of customer onboarding to them. Yeah. So, um, so, and we also tell them that this is like introducing broker agent concept. Yeah. And we say that you don't need to be worried that we will take all the customer on board because mm-hmm. in the end, it may be like whenever they are ready, we w- want them to take the customer back to them. So yeah. we can migrate the customer from us to them. We are not here to take all the customer directly. We don't yeah. have the capabilities to, to serve uh, two or three million people. For me, it's a key role in terms of actually, is, again, everyone's being asked to redefine their roles, to question their roles, but ultimately it doesn't mean that disintermediation is, is instantly going to happen. It just means mm-hmm. that the roles and responsibilities shift. Um, right. Is, and and like the, the, the post-trade part, the custod- custodian, they can be the custodian of not the record keeping, but custodian of the private key. Yeah. That, that is something that they, they, they should consider. Yep, absolutely. No, brilliant. Well, look, Kitty, thank you so much for walking through things as, as you have. It's uh, so clear. And I think it's so exciting to just see the, as you said, the boundaries pushing out in many directions at the same time. Right, so, that's right. Yeah, I really appreciate you walking through that. And I, I think, uh, well, I look forward to discussing your experiences with distressed debt, project finance, uh, sure. you know, digital bonds and everything soon. 